It was a Sunday afternoon, about 2,000 years ago, and everyone was talking, consumed by the events of the last few days. A controversial new leader had been put to death by the authorities, and no one was quite sure what would happen next. Two men, friends of this leader, were especially troubled. As they began to walk to a nearby town, the two tried to piece together the facts to understand what had happened. Like many, they had great hopes. But now, with their leader dead, all seemed lost. It just didn't make any sense. Then, they were joined by a stranger. I just need to get away from this city. We'll reach Emmaus by nightfall. I can't believe it happened. What's this you're talking about? Are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what's happened the last few days? What's happened? They killed him. Executed on Friday. Killed who? You really haven't heard? Some criminal. What crimes had he committed? No. No, he was completely innocent. In fact... Tell him about the miracles. He had the power to heal people. Instantly. A blind man. Blind his whole life. One touch and he could see perfectly. There were many like that. He cured leprosy, restored a withered arm. Jairus' daughter. Yes, Jairus' daughter. She was dead. We saw it. He brought her back to life. And huge crowds were gathering just to hear him speak. Thousands at a time. And when he spoke... Oh, he spoke with authority of a prophet sent from God. But he wasn't like other religious leaders. In what way? He spent time with others that everyone else hated. He ate and drank with outcasts. But he didn't condone their sins. He didn't tolerate any sin. But he didn't look down on sinners. He was merciful, compassionate. Oh, true. He was so very different from any other teacher. And then the authorities took him. Tortured him. Nails through his... At Golgotha, they nailed him to a cross. Friday. He died there on Friday. If he was doing so much good, why was he executed? They hated him. At first, the religious leaders just disagreed with his teachings, but then I think they saw him as a threat to their power, position. Was he? We thought he was the Messiah who was foretold. He would be the king our nation had been hoping for. We put all our hope in him. We thought he would save us. This man, what was his name? Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth.
This Jesus, have you been to his tomb? No. Why? Some of our friends went to Jesus' tomb this morning. They said, it's strange, but they said it was empty. It didn't really make any sense. None of this makes any sense. We just don't understand what's going on. How can you not understand? Don't you know that all these events were predicted by the prophets again and again, going all the way back to the writings of Moses? Jesus' death? Friday? That's in the ancient writings from more than a thousand years ago? Yes. Why are you so slow to believe the prophecies that said the Messiah would have to suffer exactly the way this Jesus did? And only then would he enter his majesty. A glory, my friends, you will soon see. It was all part of a plan that began long ago, at the very dawn of history. So, you're saying Jesus' death is the fulfillment of an ancient prophecy? Our friend had to die? I just don't see the connection. Let's start at the beginning. When God created the world, there was complete perfection. No sin, no pain, no sadness, no death. Then evil arrived. Satan, right? Yes. Satan came to to unravel the harmony God had created. God had commanded the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, never to eat from a certain tree, but in the form of a, of a snake. Satan enticed them to disobey, saying that if they took one bite, they would become the equals of God. But that wasn't true, Satan had lied. And God had warned them that if they ate from that tree, they would die. Adam and Eve gave in to the temptation, rejecting God's plan for them. Immediately, they felt guilt and fear and tried to hide from God. Disobeying God meant they would experience the, the consequences of their sin, a world of pain suffering, death, daily attacks from the evil one. That's the world we still live in today. But God didn't turn his back on humanity. He went to them and announced a plan to make things right. That one day a descendant would be born who would crush Satan and the power of evil. This descendant, the Messiah, would bring peace again by restoring the relationship between God and humanity. Yes, and at first we thought Jesus was the one, the Messiah. It did seem as if he could do anything. Then, when they were about to execute him, why didn't he put a stop to it? If he was the Messiah, couldn't he just destroy his enemies and all the wicked? You mean like the flood? Yes, the flood. Why didn't he just wipe out all the evil people? Another flood or something? Wipe out the evil people. And who would be left, my friend? Are you without sin? Well, 
Perhaps you misunderstand the lesson of the Flood. In the centuries after Adam and Eve, the world became increasingly depraved, teeming with violence and evil. God sent a great flood to wipe out the wicked, everyone on earth, except for a small group, the family of Noah who survived in a great ark. When the flood was over, God created a rainbow. Do you remember why? Yes, to remind future generations that God would always protect them. True, but the flood was also a warning. God is patient, but eventually his patience comes to an end, like it did with the people of Noah's time. There will be a day of judgment. Every person will one day face God to answer for their sins. Even righteous men, like Noah? Even the most righteous man is capable of evil. There is sin, rebellion from God, that lies deep in every heart. If we're all sinful and God hates sin, then we're doomed. The punishment will be terrible, eternal. What can I do? I mean, can I ever do enough good to satisfy God? No, no, you can't. Because God requires perfection. But take heart, my friend. Because he understands your situation, God is full of compassion and mercy. That's why he steps in to rescue you. Don't forget the promise, the promise of a savior who will make all things right again, who will make you perfect in God's eyes. That's the promise made to Adam and Eve and then to Noah. And then to Abraham, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Tell me what you know about the promise made to Abraham. God told him he would have as many descendants as there are stars in the sky. But Abraham was nearly 100 years old and his wife Sarah had been unable to have children. But God kept his promise, didn't he? Sarah gave birth and Abraham became the patriarch of a great nation. And God also promised that the Messiah would one day come from Abraham's descendants. Does that mean that because we are from Abraham's bloodline that we automatically inherit God's blessings? No, no. Some may believe that. They think one group is somehow superior to another. But that is not what God teaches. Remember the original story. God promised Abraham that all nations of the earth would be blessed through Abraham's descendant, the Messiah. Abraham believed this promise. That is what made him right with God. Remember what was written. Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. You see, in God's eyes, the real children of Abraham are the ones who believe in the Messiah as Abraham did, no matter what their nationality. We believe that Jesus was the Messiah, but if he was... Then why didn't he lead us to freedom from our enemies? Ah, <laughs> you expected a Messiah more like Moses. Well, yes. In Moses' time, the people were enslaved by the Egyptians, and now we've got the tyranny of the Romans. Yes, there are some similarities. Remember the whole story. 
It was a rivalry among Abraham's descendants that landed them in Egypt where they became slaves. The people suffered, but God didn't abandon them. He rescued them by raising up a great leader in Moses. Moses challenged the king of Egypt, demanding freedom for his people. When the king refused, God brought plagues to the Egyptians. But that's what I don't understand. Moses was a great leader who fought the oppressors. But Jesus, he didn't fight back at all. Quite true, he didn't. Just like an innocent, say, lamb. Oh, I see, the final plague. You're saying it points to Jesus. I don't get it. What was the final plague against Egypt? Well, that death would come to the firstborn of every family in the land except for those except for those who kill an innocent lamb and paint its blood around their doorposts. Exactly. God was demonstrating that the sacrifice of an innocent could mean an escape from death. That's why we remember it every year. The Passover celebration. Yes. And you're saying the Passover that we've been celebrating since Moses' time. It points to Jesus. I see now. Maybe that explains the other night. Sitting with Jesus, eating the Passover meal, he broke the bread and said, this is my body. And he poured up wine and said, this is the blood of my covenant. Perhaps what Jesus is saying is that in the Passover meal, we shouldn't just look back on the blood of the lamb, but also ahead to the blood of the Messiah. <laughs> yes. All these years during Passover, God's people purified themselves by sacrificing a lamb. They were learning, learning that without the shedding of blood, there would be no forgiveness of sins. I think I see the connection between the blood of the sacrificial lambs and the blood of the Messiah, but I don't understand why the Messiah's death would save anyone. Our religious leaders say that we have to follow the laws and rituals like the Ten Commandments, then we'll be saved. That's if you can follow the laws perfectly, but the reality is no one can. The commandments are a, a reminder of sin. That's one of the main reasons God gave the commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai. Each of the 10 points to a, a weakness of the human heart, revealing how every person defies God's standards. Do not worship anything as God except the true God. Honor your parents. Do not murder. Do not have sex outside of marriage. Do not steal, do not slander anyone, do not desire the belongings of others. I know the commandments, and I've kept them. Have you followed all the commandments perfectly? Well, I... Have you ever been greedy, hateful, lustful, selfish, even thinking wrong thoughts is breaking the law? But I'm a good person. I've helped others when I could. I give to the poor. Maybe I'm not perfect, but... But God is, and He sets the standard, and the standard is perfection. Then what can I do? The way you describe it, 
I can't ever be good enough. That's because you can't. You can't save yourself by your own attempts at goodness. Then you paint a bleak picture. No, no, don't feel hopeless. This is the very reason the Messiah came, to set people free from their slavery to sin. That's the heart of the promise. The promise made to Adam and Eve and Abraham and Moses and all people who fail to keep God's commandments even today. The promise of a savior who will live a perfect life, yet endure the punishment meant for you, paying off your debt, making you right with God, making you perfect in his eyes. That's very good news. <laughs> but the people were expecting that this Messiah would be a powerful king, ushering in an age of glory for our people. Like King David. David's story is important for a different reason. Let's talk about that. Long after Moses, David came to the throne with tremendous power and wealth. Yes, he was a great leader, a military hero. We've studied him. Then you know he also committed many sins. Yes, he had an affair with another man's wife. And then he had her husband killed just so he could marry her. These sins tormented David's conscience. When confronted, he admitted he had sinned against God. David repented, and God put away his sin. Just like Abraham and Moses before him, David not only recognized he was a sinner, but he also trusted God would forgive him through the promised Messiah, who would come to make things right. So are you saying today we don't need another king like David? <laughs> you need someone more powerful than David, a king above all kings. God promised a descendant who would establish a, a much greater kingdom, a kingdom that would last forever, a kingdom of perfect peace. And this promised descendant, it's Jesus? Yes. And one day, everyone will recognize Jesus for who he is. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God the Father except through him. It's just like he told Wait, where are you going? It's getting late, my house is right here, please. Stay with us, tell us more. So, just a week ago, they cheered Jesus like a king. And then a few days later, he was publicly tortured and killed. And you're saying, these very events were written about more than a thousand years ago? Isaiah saw the whole story as if it had happened already. He wrote, A child is born for us who will be called the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace. And later, he was pierced for our transgressions. 
He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. The Lord laid on him the wickedness of us all. Oh, that's Jesus, exactly. He died for our sins. That's what you've been trying to tell us, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> it's what God's been saying since the beginning. Your sin deserves punishment, and the Messiah takes that punishment for you as if he had committed the sin, so that you can escape the punishment you're guilty of and live eternally in perfection. A heavenly home far removed from the troubles of this world. This is what Adam and Abraham and Noah and Moses and all the prophets were looking forward to. A place where there is no hunger or thirst, where God will wipe every tear from their eyes, where they will see God face to face. In heaven, there will be people from every nation, tribe, language. All this is theirs and yours by God's love, a love that, that drove him to die for you. How could we have been so deaf? to all the times Jesus himself said he would suffer and die, just as was prophesied. He also said he would come alive on the third day, yes. which is today. Today. So you should see him today. Or do you think he was lying to you? Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech ha'olam. As our fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were blessed by you, O Lord Almighty, King of the earth, bless us and this food. Jesus, it is you. We couldn't see. You're alive. The prophecies are true. We've got to tell the others. Come. It all makes sense now. Jesus is the Messiah. The fulfillment of all the prophecies. Yes, it was like a burning in my heart as he explained it. Isaiah had prophesied that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. And Jesus was. And the prophet Micah, he said the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. That's where Jesus was born. And the prophecy said that he would come from the bloodline of Abraham and David. As Jesus did. Isaiah also prophesied that the Messiah would give sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, and make the lame walk. We saw that with our own eyes. He even brought the dead back to life. And remember three years ago, when Jesus' cousin, John, 
Yes, John. He pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was saying that Jesus is the fulfillment of the sacrificial lamb from Moses' day whose blood was shed for our sin. Oh, and remember when Jesus was on trial, they asked him if he was the long-awaited Messiah. He said, I am. Jesus wasn't tortured and killed for his sin because he had done no wrong. He was punished for our sin, paying the penalty for us as our substitute. And he didn't die because he was weaker than those who hated him. He was doing what he intended to do all along. He suffered and died because he loves us. He loves all people. And this was his plan all along. Yes. His resurrection from the dead was the climax of a spiritual battle that God said would happen. He crushed the power and curse of Satan just as he promised to Adam and Eve. So the battle's over. We're free. Forgiven. <laughs> right with God right now. <laughs> Let's hurry. saw him. Jesus, he's risen from the dead. He was in our house, breaking bread, and suddenly we recognized him. See, it's just as we said, he is alive. Yes. Oh, we should have known he would suffer, die, and rise again. It's all there in the scriptures. We just hadn't seen it, but he explained everything. It is all right there in the scriptures. Everything. I'm telling you, we had dinner with him. He broke the bread. Open our eyes, and our friend is alive. He came into my house, he broke bread, and there he was. I don't know how he Peace be with you. Don't be upset. Why do you always doubt? Look at my hands, look at my feet, touch me. It's really me, Jesus. I'm not a ghost. Ghosts don't have flesh and bones. Everything I told you before comes to this. All the things written about the Messiah in the books of Moses, in the prophets and in the Psalms, those things were written about me, and they had to be fulfilled. It is written that the Messiah suffers and rises from the dead on the third day. Then repentance and forgiveness of sins is proclaimed in his name to all nations. Starting from here, from Jerusalem, you are the first to hear and see. You are the witnesses. What comes next is very important. You will receive the power to take this message to all the world. And surely, I am with you always. To the very end of the age.